Sophia's friend Bronwyn. And I'm Bronwyn's friend Sophia. And this is Quotes and Anecdotes. That was one of the best openings we have ever had. And I'm so surprised because we have this we haven't part, recorded yeah, in like a month. And we have this part written down. Oh, I did. And didn't. I didn't even look at it. Yeah. This is like the first time I haven't looked at it. Yeah. We're getting so good at this. We're great. Uh, would you like to explain what <laughs> happened? <laughs> yeah. So sorry, everyone. We didn't have an episode last week due to some technical difficulties. We couldn't get the audio working, and Bronwyn was in Paris while I was still at home trying to figure out how, both at the same time, in different time zones, trying to figure out how to fix the audio to get the episode to you. And I was the one with, the, like, the voice recording, but it wouldn't play, and like Sophia said, I was away, and so we're going to re-record that episode. Heck yeah, so and it's going to be better than ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've never done this. No, we haven't. We've never, like, done... I don't, I don't remember any of the... I don't remember it. Yeah, I don't, I, I, that's true. <laughs> it's going to be interesting, because I'm going to feel gonna like I'm, quite, I've, I'll feel like I'm repeating weird... myself, but I'm not, because you guys want to hurt it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, no one shall ever know what happened in those 54 minutes that we recorded this episode the first time. That's, I was about to say that's really sad, but that's kind of how, like, it's mysterious. But yeah. that's how life works. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> like, it sounded ominous, you don't record but, uh, um, everything. Everything, yeah. I'm also just waking up, so bear with me. My voice is like, what are you doing? You don't talk this much in the morning. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be Also, fun. a nice rainy yeah. day. It's really, there, Brahman has the window open, and it's really nice because you can hear the birds chirping and the rain. You guys will get some nice ambiance in the background. Yeah. It'll be like so soothing and peaceful. Lighten up your Wednesday. Wow. Yeah. Shall we start off with some wordlets? Yeah. I'm very excited about our wordlets this Mm -hmm. week. You can go first. Wait, what episode is... No, I go first, right? You get to go first, yes. Yeah. Okay, so... Shoot, I just looked up the pronunciation of my first one. I don't remember it, but... We're going to give it a try. So my first wordlet is magnanimous. Is that right? Magnanimous? My dude, I thought that you know how I thought my word was pronounced, so I don't know how you think that I'm going to pronounce this one right. I think it's magnanimous. Magnanimous? Yeah, that's, that sounds that's right. That looks right. Um, It just looks cool because there are a lot of letters. <laughs> there are four. Lots of repeating letters. There are 11 letters in this word. Um, so cooler than a lot of others um, <laughs> with only 10 letters <laughs> yes sophia uh yeah yep um so magnanimous means generous or forgiving especially toward a rival or less powerful person um which is fun because it's like i feel like it's just a slightly insulting way to be a good person <laughs> like you're like, oh, you're like just really nice to other people, but because but they're like your lessers. <laughs> so you're like a benevolent huh. overlord, you know? <laughs> sure, I guess. Uh, but this was in a book I was reading. Um, we're reading, I never, you know, okay. Years ago, I tried to read David Copperfield, and I was reading it with my mom, and we were reading it out loud. And it was slow going, folks, because it's a long book. 
And when you read it aloud especially, it's a very, very slow, slow read. You never finished it. And then I was like, uh, probably all Charles Dickens. And I, I forfeited that part of my life. <laughs> I didn't read any more Charles Dickens. And now in English, I've talked about so many of the books we've read in English, but I really like that class. Um, and we're reading A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. And I have to say, he is a very good writer. It's, he writes a lot, and there are a lot of descriptions, and it's a bit over the top, but I like it. I feel like it's kind of how I talk sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, and one of the descriptions was someone was magnanimous. And there, I think for the next few weeks, you're going to hear a lot of words that I've found in that book because it's just a slightly pretentious kind of way of writing where it's big words and it's a bit over the top, but it's fun. So yeah, that was my first word lit. And you, Sophia? My first wordlet is, oh, I didn't look, at how, look up how to pronounce this one, and I'm just so afraid of any new word I find. But, um, Quaistor? Quaistor? Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it means, in ancient Rome, any number of officials who had charge of public revenue and expenditure. So I found this in my Latin textbook. One of my Latin vocab words was Quaistor. And the definition was quaestor, and I was like, well, that's not helpful. <laughs> so um, I think it was some sort of treasury official or something like that, and it was used in the passage, a uh, passage that I had to translate about how the government of ancient Rome was run, which was very cool. Some of the early kings of Rome were kings. a bit... Yes. They were... I didn't know that. Because I always just hear about, like, the... There was, like, Romulus and then oh, a couple yeah. of other dudes. <laughs> yeah, no, I just heard um, of, like, emperors. I don't know a lot of... I know, like, vaguely Roman history, but I don't know it in detail. I should know it in more detail since I study Latin, but I also really don't. It's um, a cool time. It was a cool time, yeah. It was very violent, though. I, I have to say, r Greek and Roman history is... A time. Really violent. I was doing a crossword, and one of the hints was wife and weirdly sister of Zeus. <laughs> and the answer was Hera, and I feel like that kind of sums yeah, up a lot of it. Definitely. Um, but but yeah, that that's my first word. But it's a bit of a weird one, but it's I, fun. A lot of vowels. Yes, lots of vowels. <laughs> What's your second word? So my next one is esoteric. Um, which is also a fun word. I just, I, do you know it's a kind of like, I feel like you don't see it a lot in English. And it's just kind of fun is the ending, which is I-C. Because it's always yeah. I-C-K. And I know this is just kind of a very small thing to be focused on. But it always excites me when I see the I-C <laughs> instead of like I-C-K, like stick or something like that. Or duck is also... Right? But if it was like D-U-C instead of D-U-C-K, you'd be like, what? That's not right. <laughs> but esoteric. No, it's cool. A, yeah, no, it's cool. Um, and it means intended for or likely to be understood by only a small number of people with a specialized knowledge or interest, which also... Again, very specific. That's cool. I love that. I think that's like, I love having like esoteric knowledge, right? Where you're like, ooh, guess what? Fun fact. 
one of my favorite ways to start a sentence is did you know don't always have an ending for it but i love saying that <laughs> don't because you don't usually have an ending for it you like either come up with you take a long pause and then come up with it on the spot or you just like oh well guess that one will be left blank <laughs> the group to wonder about <laughs> you don't usually have an ending for that sentence I like to keep people on the edge of their seats. <laughs> keep people on their toes. Yeah. So, as a parent, it's a fun time. <clears throat> and what's your final wordlet? My final wordlet, which I pronounced horribly wrong the first time I mentioned it, so I'm glad that I know how to pronounce it now, um, is you catastrophe, which is kind of the opposite of catastrophe. Um, and it means a sudden and favorable resolution of events in a story, a happy ending. I don't remember where I found this word, probably in a book, in the book that I was reading, but um, I really liked it because a lot of my wordlets have been definitely happy ones, like euphoric, I think, was one of them, and I really I liked that this fit into that category. It's true. And I also love that it was a cool word. And I think it's spelled E-U and then catastrophe, so my guess is that you, whatever the meaning of that those first two letters is reversed the meaning of catastrophe. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I think that's great. I love wordlets. It's like a nice little warm-up. It's so much fun, yeah. I feel like refreshed and ready, and there's a nice breeze of the nice Are you so ready to talk about our topic? I am, because I've never talked about this for any length of time so far. (laughs) No, really? So, I'm, yeah. I I honestly don't remember what we talked about during the last 54 minutes when we recorded this, so I'm excited to take this again. Heck yeah. So, what is our topic? Our topic is hiking this week. Hiking is something I really enjoy, and um, I'm very happy that we're talking about it this week. And I'm excited to revisit some of the things we talked about a month ago. Unfortunately, but, we don't have any of the signs behind hiking. You know, we've had that oh, the past few times. But I, <laughs> I suggested it, and Sophia agreed, and then she couldn't find anything to, <laughs> about the history of it. Science. Bronwyn said we should find the science behind hiking as a joke. And, you know, I'm still waking up, okay? And I'm just kind of tired. And... Then I was like, yeah, okay, let's look up the science behind hiking. And it's hiking, so there's not much, if any, science behind it. But there is some history. I have a little article. So we can look at that sure. in a bit. Let's, let's go right for it, Sophia. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't read it. I just Googled it, and it popped up. But So all I have really is like, at the turn of the 20th century, hiking for pleasure was a relatively new concept. America was largely largely rural until the mid-1800s, and most people lived near open fields and forests. Forests. Walking and nature were a part of daily life. With increasing industrialization during the 19th century, however, a walk in the woods would become a luxury for many people. And it wasn't until the end of that century that hiking was recognized as a recreational activity. So cool, like with cities and industrialization, people were like, hey, we miss the woods. (laughs) Bring us back there. Let's have a good time out in the woods since then i feel like that has decreased well there are still people including us who love hiking and stuff but i think that there's a lesser yeah people are more used to living it doesn't seem like a luxury for most people i don't know (laughs) (laughs) no that's true but that's why we're talking about it today (laughs) shoot i just sneezed my tea all over my keyboard (laughs) 
that I'm keeping it. <laughs> oh dear. So, hiking. Let's. Hiking. You got to go first with your word. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so, my first word is capable. So, the definition of capable is having the ability, fitness, or quality necessary to do or achieve a specified thing. Or being able to achieve efficiently whatever one has to do. Competent. And I think this is a really, really good hiking word because that's how I feel when I hike. Because, as we said before, I think for most people it's not a luxury, right? Which means it's difficult or people don't really look forward to it or they don't have an enjoyment of it. And I think that, I don't know, there's kind of like a idea where it's like, oh, I can never hike because I don't know why. But people are like, oh, I can never hike, right? It's so difficult, you're outside. But because I do it and I enjoy it, I always feel capable because I'm like, I'm doing something that is unique. And like, yeah, it's <laughs> not necessarily easy. And afterwards I feel so accomplished. Which yeah, that, that's the main, one of the main reasons why I love hiking is like after you finish and you, you've made it to where you need to go and you get down, you're like, wow, I just did that. I was able to do that. I was capable of doing that. Yeah. And it's, it's a really nice feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's part of the reason why I love hiking. So, the etymology of capable it comes from Latin, from capere, which means take or hold. And late Latin, capabilis, and then French, and then went to capable, or which means able to take in, in mid-16th century. And I guess the... Oh, that's cool, because cap, or cape from Latin, take or hold, and then able... So it's like able to take. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like able to. It's very cool. Capere is one of, or was one of, I think, a while ago, one of my Latin vocab words. Ooh, so I actually recognize that's it. That's fun. It's a good. Alrighty. And yeah. what's your word? Um, my word this week is tranquil. <laughs> we open this document again after a <laughs> month, and Sophia takes a look at it and she goes, tranquil? What a horrible word. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a wordlet, and I just didn't think it was very exciting. Like, wordlets should be really cool and unique. Um, the and coolest. The coolest. Like, I mean, tranquil cannot compare to you catastrophe. That's In true. my opinion. I did not realize <laughs> that it was the one I had chosen to describe hiking. And I think it's still, it's still a good word to describe hiking, just not the most unusual word that I've ever heard, like, you catastrophe. That's fair. <laughs> which explains some of my outbursts, I guess. But yeah, tranquil means free from disturbance or calm. And the reason I chose it, I think, because I chose it a really long time ago, but um, was because when I am hiking, usually it's in the woods and it's just so quiet. And there are, it's, there's often the chirping of birds um, or like, you know, sometimes the crunching of leaves, but even those are like muffled sounds. Uh, in my opinion, and it's so peaceful when you're hiking in nature, and even just standing outside in nature, I often feel very tranquil um, when hiking. So yeah. yeah, and I also liked the idea that, like, not just calm, but free from disturbance. Like yeah. Usually when you're out in the woods, not a lot of other people are there, there aren't honking horns or, like, any. No city noises. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, 
But yeah, so that, that was my word for this week. And the etymology of tranquil comes from French, and I don't know how to pronounce that in French. Tranquille? Tranquille? That was the most Spanish pronunciation of a French word. It's just tranquil. Tranquil? There you go. And then Latin, tranquillus. Tranquillius? I think there's an I there. Um, And then to English, to late Middle English, it became tranquil. Fun fact, my middle name is Chinese. It is Huping, which I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, honestly. It's kind of a weird one. But it means peace, harmony, and tranquility. It's very fitting, Sophia. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you were talking no, to me. I think it's good to embrace them. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Thank you. We just got those words done <clears throat> so good. I'm in a weird mood today. I couldn't tell. Want to <laughs> start us off with your first quote, Bronwyn? Yeah, sure. So, my first quote is... I took a walk in the woods and came out taller than the trees. And this is Henry David Thoreau. Um, And I think just going back to the idea of capability, after you take a walk in the woods, whether it's because you just feel more at peace because of the tranquility of the experience or because of the boost to your ego because of the, um, the capability that you feel, you feel taller than the trees. So I think it's fitting. Um, for me, at least, I haven't done many, like, I really haven't done any intense hiking. What I've done is canoe trips, which I'll talk about a bit more in the um, a- anecdotes, but part of it is something called portaging, where between lakes, you have to carry all of your stuff, your canoe, your bags, your tents, all of the stuff over. And it'll sometimes it's like 100 feet, or no, maybe like 100 meters. And sometimes it's more than a kilometer, kilometer, more than a kilometer. And it's difficult, but once you complete it, it's like the best feeling in the world. And you feel taller than the trees, and you're like, not everyone can do this, and I'm proud of myself. So... Yeah, that's kind of my first quote. <laughs> yeah, it's really I I love the how it connects to your word as far as like feeling capable and very accomplished after after you've gone hiking, and I loved how it connected it to the woods, <laughs> like actual hiking. <laughs> yeah, too. it's very good. And oh yeah, Henry David Thoreau uh, was an American essayist, poet, philosopher, abolitionist, naturalist, tax resistor, <laughs> develop- <laughs> development critic, surveyor, yogi, and historian. So wow, quite the what a background. I would love to meet him. And just be like, hey, what do you do? And it's like, well, <laughs> let let me give you the rundown. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, I don't know. So he was a naturalist and a historian. And a tax and an abolitionist. And a tax resistor and an abolitionist. My goodness. I didn't know it was possible to be both a naturalist and a historian. That's very cool. It's very cool. You can be whatever you want. Don't be confined to one. Imagine if you had just been like, I write essays. Then you would never have done yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> Very good, Brian. <laughs> it's 
true. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> my first quote is, everyone wants to live on top of the mountain, but all of the happiness and growth occurs while you are climbing it. And that was said by Andy Rooney, who was an American radio and television writer who was best known for his weekly broadcast, A Few Minutes with Andy Rooney, a part of the CBS News program, 60 Minutes from 1978 to 2011. So yeah, quite different from Henry David Thoreau. Um, but you will notice that a lot of my quotes this week have to do with climbing the mountain. Um, and it's something that I think is a metaphor yeah it's a metaphor um that's maybe a little overused now like oh you know everything's in the journey it's the climb but, exactly <laughs> my Cyrus once said <laughs> <laughs> um but i do think it's a good metaphor despite the fact that it's <laughs> i just thought that was funny <laughs> oh yeah hilarious Brandon. Um, you are in a weird mood today. <laughs> Anyways, I still think it's a good metaphor, even though it's a little bit overused. Um, just going back to the basic concept of hiking, especially when you hike up a mountain, for example. Um, you, the whole point, a lot of times, of hiking up the mountain is to get to the view at the end. Um, but I also think that like while you're climbing if you have people with you you'll be talking with them and you know making jokes and bonding or just experiencing the birds and the trees and the nature um and also once you get to the top of the mountain you do finally experience that view it's made that much more magnificent yeah. because of the work that it took to Definitely. get there so i think that it really not only is the climb important the climb I don't know, exemplifies the yeah. end result or and makes think, it that much more special. I think although you remember the view and stuff, I think, at least for me, what I always remember is the actual journey because definitely, it's a lot of effort, it's a lot of work, and you look back on it, and I think that even if it's difficult or during the time, you're like, oh, this is so exhausting. When you like look back, you're like, oh, that's time. Like, that was amazing. I want to do that again. And I think, like, that's part of the reason why if people only hiked for the view, then, like, I think that people wouldn't do it as much. Because you see the view once and you're like, cool, that's it. But I think that people don't realize that the reason they continue to hike is they enjoy the actual journey. They enjoy the actual climb. Um, yeah. Whether they realize I agree. it or not. Yeah, definitely. What's your second quote? So my second quote is... <clears throat> is also Henry David Thoreau, and it's, Methinks that the moment my legs begin to move, my thoughts begin to flow. Um, and again, when you're hiking, I think that most people that I know that hike, you're not listening to music, you're not listening to a podcast. And although, like, I love doing that, and probably still would have a good time if I was walking and listening to that, I think that part of the amazing thing is, amazing thing one of the amazing things about hiking is that when you're walking you're just thinking and you're letting your mind wander and you have the peace of nature and nothing's distracting you and 
your brain gets to just think whatever it wants. And, like, walking is not something I think most people have to... I think, yeah, majority, almost everyone doesn't have to really think when they're walking, right? Like, it's one foot in front of the other. And so you get to kind of, whether it's just existing in nature and that's just what your mind is on, or if it's thinking about other things, it lets your mind get, do all of its thinking. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that these days, like, I we went into New York City yesterday and everybody had their headphones in and listening to music and doing their own thing, probably thinking about where they need to go. But with hiking, you really do have to put down the... Yeah electronic devices and everything and it does give you the chance to just kind of because like you said you're you're walking that's not something that you have to concentrate on so it allows you to really just think because there's not much else that you can do while you're walking in mm-hmm. nature um and especially with long hikes it's a very long time to just kind of be alone with your thoughts and i think that's something really valuable about it yeah and i can't remember where i heard this but there was someone who's talking about like you never just sit down and just have time to just think because as soon as you do that you're like i have stuff to do yeah. why am i not doing it i have places to be people to talk to i have things to get done so you never just sit down and think um and when you're hiking you feel like you're doing something because i mean you are but your brain has an opportunity to think about other stuff so it's one of those few opportunities Definitely. It's very fulfilling as well after you come back from a hike and you realize, like, I just spent that entire time spending time with nature and just spending being alone with, with my thoughts. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, just a fun time. What's your next quote? Um, my next quote is another climbing mountain one. Um, and it is, somewhere between the bottom of the climb and the summit is the answer to the mystery of why we climb. And that was said by Greg Child, who is an Australian-born rock climber, mountaineer, author, and filmmaker. So it makes sense that he would have said this quote. Um, But yeah, I just kind of loved it. Like, no one really knows why we go on these sometimes harrowing journeys. And I don't know, a lot of people sometimes think it's for the view at the end maybe, or for the um, reward at the end, but then as you said, that's not usually the part that we remember. It's the, the climb. Mm-hmm. It's the climb <laughs> that, <laughs> that um, sticks in our memories. So I kind of liked that he was acknowledging that um, this, like we don't really know why we climb, yeah. but that the answer is in the climb itself. Yeah, and definitely. So yeah, I liked that quote. Yeah, no, I, I, it's funny because I think it's hard to pinpoint. I mean, you can, I, we've, we've kind of isolated a few reasons for why we enjoy hiking, but there is like a question of like, okay, but like, why put yourself through all of the exhaustion or all the hard work? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, they're just saying like, well, I don't know, like, the answer is just kind of the journey. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's it's hard to pinpoint, and... Yeah, I don't really know, but... Yeah, no, the answer is in the... Clock climb. <laughs> Alrighty. Yeah. What is your third quote? Yeah. My third quote is, the best view comes after the hardest climb. And also kind of, again, talking about... <laughs> we've, it's, a, it's a theme throughout hiking, I guess, but... 
both metaphorically and literally, I think we hear it a lot where it's kind of like you, the question of like, can you enjoy the life to its full extent or is joy, does joy really exist if you don't also have like pain or sadness? Like we wouldn't appreciate joy in the same way and that kind of idea. And metaphorically, I think that, I think there's truth to that, but I think also literally like after you've been working hard and hiking and 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 trying like the best feeling again talking about canoe trips like when you're going just going 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 you're like oh i I just like can't wait to put down this heavy bag or whatever and all of a sudden you see like the lake through the trees it's like oh my goodness it's right there and it's the best feeling in the world whereas if you just walk there you would mean like it's another like we've been to five already (laughs) like yeah so it's just kind of the appreciation comes after like hard work and this is by the way just quickly this is this quote is by unknown so i don't know who said it but yeah it's a really good quote i i like both the literal idea of it um because i mean often the most fantastic views are very high on mountains and you have to climb higher to see them um, but also, like, if you work really hard for something, then the end product is going to be that much more rewarding, I think. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I was trying to say. Yeah. But there we go. What's your third quote, Sophia? My third quote is one that I really like. It is, between every two pines, there is a doorway to a new world. And that was said by John Muir. Sure. Um, who is also known as John of the Mountains and Father of the National Parks. He was an influential Scottish-American naturalist, author, environmental philosopher, glaciologist, and early advocate for the preservation of wilderness in the United States of America. So he was a good dude. And it's, well, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think he did some good stuff, especially as far as wildlife preservation. That's good. Which is important to me. Um, so yeah, I just kind of loved that, um, the idea of this like between every two trees there's a doorway to a new world like as you walk between i mean the way that i sort of thought about like what he was trying to say was like when you're hiking and you walk between two trees and then you look around it looks so different from where you were behind the two trees like when you step foot in a different direction while you're hiking the world's even though it may be the same woods, it's so different from what you were just looking mm-hmm. at. Like the trees are different. You might see like a new animal that you didn't see a couple of steps behind you. And so I kind of love that. And I think he really appreciated um, some of the beauty of hiking and you know looking at the world in a new way. And uh, I liked that he used this quote to describe it. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, I... I, I... I agree with all you have to say. I don't know if I have anything else to add, but just every step you take is a it's own experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's your last quote, Bronwyn? So my last quote, I just quickly did a Google because I had the name of the person who said it, but I Googled them and they didn't have anything. And then I realized they might've been confused for another person who is a person. So, the quote is by someone named, I thought, 
Nemen Bull. But then if you Google that, that I don't that person doesn't have anything really about them, so I don't know. But there's someone named Herman Bull who was a mountain climber hmm. who also was attributed who also had this quote attributed to them. So I think that I had initially seen this quote attributed to the wrong person. So this quote is by someone I think named Herman Bull, who is a Australian mountain climber. And he is considered one of the best climbers of all time. And yeah, so the quote is, keeping you in suspense this entire time. <laughs> Mountains have a way of dealing with overconfidence, which I just thought was funny. Um, and it's kind of, I think, it's like, if you look at a mountain from the ground, I think, especially because oftentimes it'll be at a distance, it seems small, seems like, oh, anyone could do it. Mm-hmm. It's just walking. And then mountain or just hiking in general, once you actually try to do it, it's much more difficult than it looks. And I, again, I'm. this is basically my sole example of like rigorous hiking activity. But again, canoe trips, like the first canoe trip I went on, tried to carry a canoe, which is part of it that you have to do when you portage. And it was really difficult, could barely do it, had to stop every now and then, like exhausting, really difficult. And it looks easy when you see people doing it because they've done it before and they just put on their back and walk. Some people walk super quickly and some people have, like, it's, it looks a lot easier than it is. And when, then the last trip I went on, I was able to do it and I was really proud of myself because it was difficult, but I was able to just, I was able to do it right and I was able to do it without pausing and I was, I was really proud of myself for that. And... I think whether it's hiking, mountain climbing, or canoe trips, I think a lot of the time it looks a lot easier than it is, and you walk into it thinking, yeah, I can do it, and it's a humbling experience, I think, but it's also, that's kind of, again, going back to capability once, because I think it is something that you can, anyone can do with practice, or, and I don't even think it needs that much practice, but you just have to get kind of accustomed to the new experience of hiking. Um, you feel great because you're like, you know what? Some people, not, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I have anything to add. That's, I definitely really like that quote. It's a good quote. And it's just fun. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's funny. Okay. What's your last quote? My final quote is to walk in nature is to witness a thousand miracles. And that was said by Mary Davis, who is an Irish social entrepreneur, activist, and long-term campaigner for the rights and inclusion of children and adults with intellectual disabilities. So pretty cool. Um, And I just really loved this quote to close it all up, um, just because I think that a lot of people don't think about how amazing nature is, even just the nature right outside their backyard. But when you walk in the woods and you hear birds chirping and you see like oh maybe a squirrel or a small another small animal or a bird flying away um or just the rustling of leaves even you realize like how much more there is to this world besides humans and what Mm -hmm. we've done um in the world and I think that's a really humbling experience and really important to point out and there are even more miracles that we can't see 
when mm-hmm. we're walking in the woods. So, yeah, I just thought it was a good quote. I think also, I think the other miracle, just coming from um, what they do as their job, um, as a campaigner for the rights and inclusion of children and adults with intellectual disabilities, I think that hiking and walking in nature, just because there are different levels or different different hikes that and paths that you can go on that can be um that cater to different people's abilities and I think that um hiking is something that everyone can do um and for people who do have intellectual disabilities when a lot of the world might be closed off to them this is something that they can do and it's kind of miraculous in that way where everyone can appreciate nature um no matter who they are Definitely. And, yeah, I really like that coming from her background, this is something yeah. she said. So, there we have our quotes, guys. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed our quotes. It's fun to get those different points of view. Okay. <laughs> um, moving on, Bronwyn, would you like to start off with some of your anecdotes? Yeah. So, again, I've like said this so many times, so you know this already, but I have, like, actual hiking I've not done in the way of, like, a hiking trip, but when I think of hiking, the first thing is people, we have a dog, and a lot of people, when they, like, dog wants exercise and stuff, they take their dog for a walk, and that's the work, and our house, it's, we always take our dog for a hike, um, and it might be a 10-minute walk in the woods, but we always say we're going on a hike, um, and we, that's part of it is like, I think when we think of like walking, we think of taking dog for a walk on the street and just based on the dogs we've had and what we personally, and like where we live and stuff, walking our dogs on the street isn't really, we don't really do that as much. We more go to parks or, um, woods near us that, because we do have a lot of that where we live. Um, and we hike our dog there. And so that's always the word that's like, we can't say around our dog because he'll get super excited. Yeah, <laughs> I've noticed that when you say to your dog, like, you want to go on a hike, he gets so happy. Yeah. And it's the same reaction. Well, our dogs are lazy now, but like when, when they were younger and they had a lot of energy and we'd say like, you want to go on a walk? They'd get uncontrollably excited. Yeah. It's, it's a good word. It is a good one. Uh, the next one, the next anecdote I have is hiking in the winter. And this is like, what, this is one of the things that our family does in the winter is we go, um, skiing in Vermont, but when we're not skiing, something that we like to do is there's a a state park near us and it has a lake and there's a lot of snow there. And so we'll snowshoe and cross country ski. And based on the paths you can take, it's either like a 15 minute short little romp or it's like a, um, um, a like hour and a half long trip around the lake and so we've a few times tried to have a picnic as well it's a little chilly but it's nice um and yeah it's just it's an interesting experience in the winter because I think it's harder to get started because you're like it's cold I don't want to go outside I just want to be cozy yeah but it's actually it is a lot of fun um and yeah it's fun to do it's a good way to pass the time Definitely. Yeah. Next anecdote um, is something in 
<laughs> just kind of funny in gym class uh it's an interesting time um but one of they often give us options like you can either play badminton or you can go to the weight room or whatever and one of the options one day was hiking and we're like okay let's do hiking and they're like okay walk around the indoor track <laughs> and my friend was someone who also has done hiking and we were just like this is if this is what people now think is hiking <laughs> it's like we're in trouble <laughs> yeah um but it was just kind of a funny i I, the, I think the teachers were a little bit sheepish in passing it off as hiking um because it's i that's one thing I don't think can be considered hiking. No. <laughs> walking around in the no. track. <laughs> yeah. um, but I don't know. I thought that was kind of fun. So, quote-unquote hiking in gym class. Then the next one I have is the one I've... Now, I've said like these words so much, but on our canoe trip that I went on, especially last summer um, at my camp, it was five days, and it was in a national park um, in Canada because that's where the campus um and we went on a canoe trip and basically the way it worked is every day i think we would have like two portage pot <laughs> two portages and a lot of paddling so you're in a canoe and paddling with your bags and stuff for like a while and then you have like specific campsites that you go to but in order to get to those campsites, which are in different lakes, you have to portage. So because all the lakes aren't connected, you have to carry your stuff over land, as I said before. So portaging is carrying your bags yeah. and your canoe. It's like between the paddling. It's like going from one lake to another. And it's something that kind of where the word capable came from for me, because one of the biggest like feelings of accomplishment and capability was, as I said, portaging a canoe and carrying a canoe. And it's funny because I think in Canada, and especially in Ontario, where um, uh, my family's from, if you say like, oh, let's go canoeing, or let's go on a canoe trip, or let's portage, those are all words that people just know, and just go like, okay, yeah, and I have a t-shirt that says, hashtag carry the canoe, and that was like, <laughs> a, 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 like a campaign ad for like a, a big company there, and if I wear it here every time, I get so many people like, carry the canoe, what is that? Um, and there's like another thing that's a fundraiser called Canoe Heads, which is like you portage a canoe for like a couple of miles and it's like a fundraiser to send kids to camp. And it's just like, oh, that's cool. just like, it's not a shocking or surprising thing there. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. And it's, it's difficult to do. And I think the first time people try to portage, they're like, whoa, this is not what I expected. It's difficult. You kind of are off balance. And it needs some practice. But once you figure out how to do it and you get the hang of it, it's a really gratifying feeling. And just especially because, like, 99% of people can do it. Like, no matter how tall, how big, how small you are, like, you can do it. And, I mean, an example of that is there's a counselor at my camp who only has one arm. And she was out there, she had like two bags and she just, she had a canoe on and she just like, she was ahead of everyone else. She was stronger than everyone That's else. That's amazing. And the rest of us were like struggling to keep up. And it was just a remind, and, and it's like super gratifying when you pass people who are people who you expect would be able to easily carry a canoe if they're really like, you can see they're super strong or like super muscular or 
especially because I'm at a, a girls camp and it's like all about girl power when you pass a group of guys who are super strong and like carrying their canoes it's fun when you they might look a little bit surprised when you just like pass them with your canoe <laughs> like by and they're like oh wow <laughs> I guess I, like so it, it's kind of fun to be like see like like haha, kind of we can do it. Yeah, and it's I, it's super fun, um, and I really enjoy that. Um, and it is, I mean, it's on hiking terrain that you do that, so that's kind of its connection to hiking. And then the other anecdote I have from that trip was getting lost one time, where we were at two campsites. Like we, our group was kind of split up, and we we're in two campsites, and we had to give the bags to other group, and they were on the other side of the island. We had to make our way to the other side of the island and we don't want to get the canoes out and paddle to the other side of the island so we decided to go through the woods which was a bad idea (laughs) because there wasn't a path now i knew where i was going you just kind of follow the water keep it on the side and just go straight ahead and we're there but there's no path and everyone else was convinced we were lost and going in circles and we weren't making progress like we couldn't it was taking a while and we weren't getting there and we're like okay this is a failed attempt and my friend was convinced we were lost and I was I disagree um and it's still a still a point of disagreement but um you know I didn't think we were lost but apparently we kind of were um so that was fun how did you find the their camp at the end did you we went back and they came to us (laughs) (laughs) well it was a time uh, yeah, and then the last thing, I would love to go on an actual hiking trip. It sounds super fun, and I, we've talked about this before, but I think we'd have a lot of fun. That would be amazing. Trip. Yeah. Like a real one. A real, yeah. not camping in the backyard, but going somewhere and hiking. <laughs> <laughs> would yes. be really fun, I, I think. think. it would be super fun. I don't know, like, I've heard of people going on, like, those hikes or those treks through, like, even, like, the Appalachian Mountains, where they just have, like, like... I don't know, that's the one I've heard of the most, and I, I don't know, just like, it's like hard work, but then you get it like at the end of the day, and eat food, and just relax, and then you get up the next day and do it, I don't know, it just sounds fun. Yeah, and there's so much bonding time that could come yeah. out too. It'd be so. great. Yeah. What are your anecdotes? Um, my first anecdote comes from when I was quite young, um, with my little brother in our backyard there is woods i guess there are some woods and so when we would be bored especially in the fall and spring um we would go out in the woods and play in the woods and we would call it hiking it was not hiking we were just walking around in the woods um but (laughs) but um in our woods that's in our general backyard there were a couple of like they, they were not mountains, they were hills. Like a couple of uh, rocks piled up on top of each other and then dirt and lots of leaves covering all of them. And um, when we found the first one of these big piles, we climbed up on top of it and we were looking down and we were like, you know, I bet if you fell off this, you would break your leg. And so that was how the name Break a Leg Mountain came around. And then we found a slightly smaller little hill and we were like, well, keeping it with the tradition of broken limbs. We're gonna call this one break an arm mountain because I bet if you fell this fell off this one, you'd break your arm. And I think there were a couple more, like I think we might have named a smaller one uh, break a wrist mountain or something like that. Sprain your ankle. Yeah, sprain your ankle mountain. Um, but 
break an arm and break a leg were like our two main spots. We'd be like, okay, let's go climb, break a leg mountain. Um, and sometimes we would try to go up like the flatter face of it. And then other times we would just go up the hill and then we'd kind of just stand there and look around. And that was, I think the first like real, I was about to say attraction, but that's a really weird word to use to describe. Like, the first time that I found that I enjoyed spending time in nature and just, you know, walking in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other, another anecdote that I have was back in 2014, we um, became really close friends with another family uh, from Wilton who have a son my brother's age and then another really young son who's, I think five now maybe six um but so at the time it was a a very long time ago we were thinking about getting a ski house together because both families were really passionate about skiing and so that summer we went up to vermont to go um scope out some houses and see if this was something that we really wanted to do and but we had the families they all had pretty young kids we weren't just going to go look at houses for this entire weekend in vermont that would be very we, the kids would probably get very, very, um, bored, yeah, bored, restless, restless. That was the word I was looking for. So we decided like, let's go hiking. There was a hiking trail on the ski mountain and it wasn't, again, wasn't really hiking like with backpacks and mm-hmm. walking up mountains, but there was a little path and we went up and that was one of the first times that we're like, we're really close family friends now and we get together all the time, that was one of the first times that we bonded as a whole family. And again, it was something that everyone could do. They had a little kid then, and we all, like, hiked up the mountain, and, you know, he had to be carried a lot, but it was a good time. It's fun. Um, And then, like you said, winter hiking, which I haven't really done a lot of this past week, uh, February. My brother had a concussion, so he couldn't go skiing. So we did a couple of different things. We went snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, and that was something I never really tried before because when we do winter activities, it's mostly skiing, 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 because that's what our family is passionate about. But this winter we tried snowshoeing and cross-country skiing, and it was really fun. Um, When my family went to Antarctica, on one of the last days that we were there, there was a big piece of what they call flat ice, which is just like a huge slab of ice on the ocean that's pretty sturdy and we got to go cross-country skiing on flat ice and so that was really fun um i remember that we didn't get to do much because my boots didn't fit but so i would just watch or i got to use my mom's skis for a bit but then when she wanted to ski i ended up just watching my the rest of my family go and i would attack them with snowballs that's fun and my brother fell over and that was a very proud moment for me um and then lastly the last anecdote we can't i can't talk about any nature episode without mentioning Galapagos, of course. Um, and again, this wasn't like, I've never been on a real hiking trip. Same. And I really wanted the one, like a real We one. should. Food and camping, but. It, <laughs> food. <laughs> no, but like, you know, yeah, carrying yeah. your possessions. Really great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but in Galapagos, specifically the first part of my trip there was a camping trip. And again, not really real camping. It was like a, a site and we um, had tents and, but you know, it was, it was quite the experience. And for the first couple of days, we spent time in the highlands of Galapagos, which is like the middle-ish of the island. And it's very grassy and very wet and not at all what you would expect in an island 
near the equator. Hmm. Like it's cool, only 50 or 60 degrees a lot of the days, very, very rainy, super grassy, and that's where the giant tortoises live. And so the first couple of days, first four days, I think, we spent in the highlands. And it was very wet and very muddy. Um, And we would go, like the first day, we went on like a little expedition to try to find giant tortoises to measure. And there was no guarantee that we were gonna find a certain number of tortoises but we found a ton and we would just kind of really wander around until we spotted one and then we'd be like, okay, let's go measure that one. And then we would keep going and what try to find- What do you mean by measuring? Oh, so this was fun. We got to, um, in order to help the National Park of Galapagos, oh, I forget. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. We got to measure tortoises. So we would go out and find tortoises and once we found them, there was a couple of different things we had to measure in order to get data for the national park to figure out how to help conserve these species since they're an endangered species. Mm-hmm. So we would measure their shell using a measuring tape and both ways, long ways and uh, sideways width. And then we had to flip them over. So we would get a couple of kids on one side and be like, one, two, three, go and flip them over. And I felt very bad, but it doesn't hurt them. Um, and then we had to measure their plastron, which is the length from their underside, like their belly, which is also a shell, to the top of their shell on their head. Mm-hmm. So like the space between the shells yeah. that cover their head. And then we had to measure their underside. And the last part we had to do was pick them up in order to weigh them. <sighs> so what we did in order to weigh them was they had this really cool machine where we would tie a string around both ends of their under shell and then there it was a stick and a weight on the stick and so it the way that it measured it was like how much weight was lifted on the scale so then we would get this i'm not gonna lie (laughs) (laughs) i'm picturing like one of those like weights that's like this way that way no i can show you a picture of it it was basically like a a a tortoise on upside down and a string and a big stick through the string and then two kids would be on each end of the string lift up the tortoise and then the scale would tell you how much that's cool so yeah that was all that we had to do that while um, measuring tortoises we also the second day we did blackberry bush eradication which blackberries are an invasive species in galapagos um, because they sort of choke the scalacea trees and don't allow them enough room to grow Blackberry bushes are awful. I didn't know this before I went to Galapagos, but they're super thorny and their roots are really, really deep. So mm-hmm. it's incredibly hard to pull them out. But in Galapagos, there's not any like bulldozers or any huge machines that you can take and just rip out all these blackberry bushes. So we had to do it by hand. And it was really difficult. We spent a couple of hours just yanking out blackberry bushes. Our hands were very sore. But at the end, we realized like we helped an endangered species in Galapagos. Wow. How cool is that? And it was exhausting, but it was really, really rewarding. Um, so yeah, I think, and again, like it was very wet, very muddy, not like, you know, beaches and snorkeling, which was later in the trip. But you could tell that all of the students there really appreciated it and like, in the beginning, maybe they were a little bit unsure of how wet it was there, but then in the end, they were like, "Well, that was a really good experience." Yeah, and I'm glad that we went. I think that happens a lot with like hiking. Like people yeah. maybe go into it kind of like, Ugh, I don't know, but once they actually do it, they're like, "Wow, actually, that's definitely, good. it's you feel capable." Exactly. It's off very often a life changing experience. Yeah.
And I love hiking. Wow. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> so, yeah, go out if you haven't hiked. Just give it a try. Yeah. Go, maybe go with people who you're friends with. So you just, like, if you're unsure and you can just have a fun time hanging out with them at the very least. Even just a little walk in the woods in your backyard. Yeah. It might not be super rigorous, but it's a good time. It's definitely... Yeah. A life changer. Definitely recommend. Experience. 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> Indeed. So just a few quick shout outs. I think we're going to leave this here. Yeah. The first is to our intro music, which is... Inspirational Life. And our outro music, which is... Blossoming Inspiration. And on Instagram, you, Instagram, you can follow us at quotes.and.anecdotes. Yeah. Email us at quotesandanecdotes at gmail.com. Yeah. Rate, review, subscribe. Always. Anything else? Shout yeah. out to the person who drew our cover art. Yeah. Um, you can find her at Dino Bite on Instagram. That's D-I-N-O dot B-Y-T-E. Go check her out. She's she amazing. She does commissions, so if you want anything drawn, you can head her up, ask. Um, yeah. Is that it? I think so. Well, thank, thank you, you for, for listening, listening to Quotes and Anecdotes. We hope you had fun because we certainly did. Bye, my friend Sophia. Bye, my friend Bronwyn. And cut. Do 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 do.